SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Hello and welcome to another edition of SFM Sports Wrap. My thanks to the MoneyWeb team, Nastasia, back again on Monday. But it's uh, great to be with you as we discuss sport now, taking you uh, up to the top of the hour, 7 o'clock. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of cricket. We're going to be talking a little bit of uh, football. And indeed, we're going to be talking a lot of golf. Why? Because it's so exciting to talk Nedbank Golf Challenge. It's underway in a new guise and a new format. We'll find out how. We'll find out what's happening as we go live to the course in just uh, a few moments time but we're also going to be talking about some of the uh, things that are happening in the big sports stories shall we say of the day including of course uh, Springbok squad announcement so I'll start off with my sports news with that story experienced props Tendai Mtoharira and Kuni Wistazen as well as inside centre Damien Dalenda all returned to the Springbok starting 15 to face Ireland on Saturday evening at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin the match is the first of four outgoing tour tests it also include internationals against France, Italy and Wales. And Tawarira, the team's most experienced player with 95 test caps, comes back into the starting lineup at loosehead prop. While Stephen Kitsoff, who made his starting debut against the All Blacks last month in Cape Town, moves back to the bench. Wurstason, recovered from an arm fracture sustained against the Wallabies in September, takes over a tight head from Ruan Drea. Dalenda, meanwhile, earns his first start of the season as replacement for Jan Sarfontein, who was excused from the tour. Meanwhile, New Zealand-born Bundy Aki makes his test debut for adopted country Ireland in their one-off test with South Africa after uh, coach Joe Smith unveiled his starting t- uh, 15. The 27-year-old centre, who qualified under the residency rule in October, is reunited with former Connacht teammate Robbie Henshaw, with whom he formed an effective partnership with their province uh, when they won Pro 12, as it was in 2016. Also uh, won the Super Rugby title Chiefs in 2013, did Aki, getting in the nod as uh, Gary Ringrose and Jared Payne are out injured. Golf, I can tell you the Bernd Visberger birdied the 18th hole to lead after the first round of the Nedbank Golf Challenge at Gary Player Country Club at Sun City. The Austrian fired an opening 567 to claim a one-stroke lead over the chasing pack of Brandon Grace, Victor de Wissant, Scott Jameson and Julian Suri while defending champion Alex Noren is in the group on three under with South Africa's Charles Schwarzel. Further afield, South Africa's Ashley Buhai battled swirling winds to fire a second round four under past 68. And while the halfway lead of the uh, Blue Bay, uh, take the halfway lead rather, the Blue Bay LPGA in China, still searching for her first win of her LPGA Tour career, Buhai birdied four of her last seven holes as one stroke clear of world number three, China's Feng Shangshan. Football news, Bafana Bafana play their FIFA-ordered 2018 World Cup home qualifier against uh, Senegal in Puruguane tomorrow night before they travel to Dakar for the return fixture next Tuesday. Senegal are unbeaten with two wins and two draws and a 2-1-0 win in Cape Verde last time out as they uh, put them in control of their own destiny. Senegal currently lead Group D with eight points from four games, needing two points to cement their World Cup place, while South Africa find themselves bottom of the group with just four points, needing to win both ties to secure a place in Russia. Meanwhile, Majita have been drawn in a tricky group in the 2017 Kasafa Under-20 Championships. The South Africans runners-up in the last edition of the tournament will have to deal with the North African guest nation, Egypt, as well as Mozambique and Mauritius in Group B. The tournament to be played in Zambia between December 
6th and 16th. Stay with football. Puluwane City striker Rodney Ramakalela and Bloemfontein Celtic mentor Veselin Yelusic have been named APSA Premiership player and coach respectively for the month of October. Ramakalela, PSL's top scorer with six goals this season, was also awarded goal of the month for August and September for his strike against Sundowns in August. Cricket news. 2017 Ram Slam T20 Challenge gets underway as the Warriors host the Knights at St. George's Park in Port Elizabeth tomorrow. You have to go back to the 2009-2010 season for the last time the Warriors won the domestic T20 title. But they went close last season, finishing runners-up to the Titans in a final they looked likely to win. The Knights, though, won just three of their round-robin matches last season and failed to make the playoffs. And just finally in athletics news, Anna Tani-Ans-Burte, coach of 400-meter world and Olympic champion Wade Vernikat, has been named IAAF Coach of the Year. She will receive the award at a gala event in Monaco later this month. That's your sports news. SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's go straight to Sun City now because that's where all the action is uh, taking place in terms of golf. And Bert Wiesberger of uh, Austria leading after the first round of the Nedbank Golf Challenge at the Gary Player Country Club is uh, golf correspondent and uh, all-round uh, good guy Mark Tompkins. Mark, thanks for uh, joining us. Good evening. Very nice. Good evening, Dwayne. Very nice of you to say so. Oh, I don't want to spread too many rumours, though. But lots of stories between the two of us as international commentators. But um, eight birdies, three bogeys. Yeah, they'll stay between them. They will, they will, indeed. Uh, but eight birdies, three bogeys. A uh, bit of a mixed bag today for Wiesberger, but a, a, a lead still after the opening round. Just take us through what I imagine was a bit of a roller coaster round. It was, really. I mean, Burns struggled a little bit this season. He hasn't hit the consistencies that you would normally expect from, from a player sort of at the top of his game. But he played pretty well in Shanghai a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, again, in Turkey, struggled to make birdies. And he said, you know, I've not been making enough birdies. So when he sees eight birdies on the cards today, mm. that was a, a real boost for him. If he can keep the bogeys off the card, then obviously mm. then everything's going in the right direction. But that is very, very difficult at this Sun City course. The Gary Player design, got Gary Country Club, of course. But only one player managed to keep bogeys off the card today, and that was Julian Surrey. So that shows how difficult this yeah. course can be. So... If these burgers can keep hitting birdies, keep hitting greens, and keep hitting fairways off the tee, then you know he won't be far away, I don't think, come the end of the week. Yeah, it is a bit of a difficult layout. And, of course, getting used to the Kikuyu grasses, I think something that not everybody, aside from the South African golfers, might be used to. And certainly regular visitors like Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson in years gone by. But let's talk about the South African charge. I mean, Brendan Grace, uh, I suppose he, he would be leading it at the moment, but he was, he was over par on his front nine. He must have had a phenomenal uh, back nine to, to come home to be tied for second. Well, he did. He struggled with the putter a little early on. He was two over par through four holes, and you think he's everything going in the wrong direction for Grace. But he turned it around. He picked up a birdie early on on his back nine, and then two birdies with an eagle in the middle. So he was four under par through three holes on his back nine, and that really helped him to get back on track. He finished strongly as well and ended up carding a round of 68 today. Uh, you mentioned Charles Schwartzel in your sports news a moment or so ago. Charles was going along nicely, but he missed a, a really short putt on 18. Mm-hmm. He would have otherwise kept bogeys off his card today as well. He wasn't well yesterday and he still wasn't feeling 100% today, so he was pleased to get round relatively unscathed, I think. And Louis Oosthuizen was going along quite nicely until back-to-back bogeys on the back nine also saw him slip back. He had to settle for a 71 in the end, one under par, so currently four shots behind Bern Wiesberger. It was a little bit of a mixed bag for the other South Africans in the field. It was a good day for Darren Fickhart. Mm-hmm. He only realised he was playing five minutes before he teed <laughs> off because uh, Anthony Wall was a late withdrawal with a back injury. Fickart was actually driving in through the golf club gates when he had the phone call. He literally had to go straight to the first tee. He had no time for practice, <laughs> and he actually shot a one and a par round of 71. So maybe all this practice is a bit of a myth after all. Just get out on the <laughs> golf course and hit some golf balls. 
Um, Hayden Porteous, one over. Uh, Richard Sterney, two over. And right down at the bottom of the list, as far as South Africa goes, Dean Burmester and George Katsia, both with rounds of 77 today, five over par. Mm, not, uh, not ideal. But uh, in terms of the international field, I suppose there's going to be a great deal of focus on uh, race to Dubai leader Tommy Fleetwood this week. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for him, though, to actually give himself an unassailable lead in the, in the race to Dubai. But how can he do it? Well, he's, he's not, he struggled a little bit today. He doesn't have the best of rounds. Um, he, he really just struggled to find his way around and find his range around this golf course. And, of course, Justin Rose, who's his nearest challenger, had the dilemma after winning in Turkey last week. Did he change his plans and come here and try and put more pressure on Tommy Fleetwood? Mm-hmm. But Rose decided to stick to his guns. He's gone back home to spend time with his family before jetting off to Dubai next week for the end-of-season finale. Now, Tommy Fleetwood, when we spoke to him the other day, said, look, I don't want it to be an exciting end in Dubai. I want to have this sewn up this week, and I want to know that I can go into that tournament knowing that I'm number one, I've won the race to Dubai, and all the, the riches that go with that. But he hasn't fared well. I think he shot a 73 today, if my memory serves me correctly. But he, 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 he struggled all day. He struggled at his iron plays, just ranges a little out. And he's putting, letting him down from within six, ten feet at the moment as well, something that he was so good on earlier in the season when he went in France particularly. And that's just letting him down a little bit at the moment. So I think if he can get that sorted out, I think, you know, don't forget there's no cut here over the weekend. So it's not a question of having to score tomorrow to be here for the weekend. He knows he's got four rounds of golf. He turned in a great round in Turkey under par on the final day to give himself a few vital ranking points just to keep that little bit ahead of Justin Rose, Uh, you know, even though Rose won. But, you know, it's important, I think, that he picks up as many points as possible this week. Otherwise, we will have that very exciting finish in Dubai next week. Yeah, but I would love to actually see somebody like Ross Fisher or Tyrrell Hatton do something really, uh, to, to, to really get it close with uh, Tommy Fleetwood and then have Justin Rose return in Dubai as well. I, I, I would like to see an exciting finish as a, as a neutral, of course, in this, uh, in this situation. But Mark Tompkins, time against us. So thanks so, so much for your, uh, your updates. And I look forward to hearing more of your updates over the weekend. As, uh, and, and enjoy all of the golf. Twist. Cheers, Ryan. Catch up with you soon. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. Talk cricket, and I'm delighted to say that the uh, Ram Slam T20, yes, we're allowed to call it that again because Ram Hunt and Curries have stepped in to sponsor the uh, T20 international competition or T20 uh, domestic competition once again. Delighted to say, and really delighted to welcome on the line now the uh, coach of the, um, the Bizab Harfield Lions, Jeffrey Toyana, who has uh, had sterling performances as a coach over the last few seasons with uh, the Gauteng based side. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Hi, Glenn. Afternoon and afternoon to the listeners. It's good to chat to you again. Uh, I, I want to talk specifically to you about this because this is the first trophy you won as head coach of the Lions. How special is this tournament for you? <laughs> it is a special trophy, you know, to be honest. I mean, the biggest thing about it as well is that every player, you know, like wants to, to play in it. And i um, quite happy this season that the Protea players are yes. all available, you know, to play, which gives us, you know, like as head coaches, you know, like headache, you know, the big headaches. But a good headache, though, you know, like I believe, because I think um, with the uh, Ramsland as well on board and the two uh, the two million as well, I mean, if you catch, you know, like a catch one-handed, I think those extra things, you know, added 
will bring the crowds, you know, to, to come and watch. Yeah, I love I love the way they've brought uh, a new excitement to the, the 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 opportunity for the fans to get involved with the game because it's exciting enough the cricket that is produced by by you and your your, your players, of course. Um, but in terms of the Proteus players, while you touch on that, how important is it now for for the build up for those Proteus players to the uh, the India series in particular to to get in some good domestic game time? on domestic wickets as well. And for you to, to use players like Cajisto uh, Rabada in particular, I think must be the, the key player for you. Yeah, it's a big thing, you know, like for us. And also, it uplifts, you know, like our, our the tournament, you know, and uh, it's a big thing for us. I mean, like if you look at the big best league, you know, like in Australia, yeah. all their big players are playing that as well. And um, to like, have these guys available and playing, I think it's a really, really big thing. And I'm uh, quite fortunate as well that I'm a... I'm a coach, you know, because I don't have to go pay, you know, like at the stadium. But if I was not coach, I mean, like I'll go watch, you know, a Quinton Picogo versus Cajiso Rabada coming up this Sunday. Yeah, I know, exactly. That's, I think a lot of people are, are talking about that, but you're talking about domestic uh, players. I mean, we saw Mitchell Stark take two hat-tricks for New South Wales the other day, and, and you know, they're building up to the ashes at the moment. So it is c- critically important for international series, I suppose, to get the uh, the international players playing good domestic cricket and competitive cricket just before uh, a key series. Yes, it's very, very important, uh, Dwayne. I mean, for us, for example, um, Gakusorabada played for us in our first Sunfall game this year. Um, I think it's a new thing that is brought by Otis Gibson, who's taken over, that the guys must play, you know, domestic cricket as well. I think Gakusorabada uh, he last played for me about three years ago. Yeah. And for him to play, you know, like at this level, you know, like it uplifts, you know, the players like Vian Mulder, you know, and all the younger players that I have in my setup. And, um, you know, he's a great influence as well in the change rooms. I mean, you know, everyone knows what, what, what he's done and, um, and the value that he has, you know, like in the change rooms and the franchise as a whole. You know, it's it's really, really a big thing for us as well as the Lions. Yeah, and I, I know that you guys are managing him as well, which is so important for younger players, of course, uh, not to end up burned out come the the end of their careers. But on the point of playing personnel, Jeff, I don't know if I'm more impressed or more scared for you here, but I mean, I'm really impressed that you've managed to contract six opening batsmen to the Lions. But I mean, on a serious note, how do you actually plan to effectively use and manage them across the three formats? Yeah, you know... It, it gets tough sometimes, uh, but, you know, like at the start of the season, obviously, I did have a chat with a guy like Rafi van der Dusen, yeah. who's been opening for us, you know, since he came, you know, over from the Titans, you know, where he's been an opener all his life. But, um, yeah, we chatted to him, and um, I, I managed to convince him to bet for, for us, you know, at, at like four-day cricket in first-class cricket, and he's really, really played well for us there. And it's all about communication, really, just... Um, sharing to the guys because I do believe that at franchise level, you know, um, anyone who bets in the top six, they can adapt, you know, to bet, you know, like anywhere in the top six. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of just communicating to the guys and just making sure that they, they, they do see your vision, you know, like as you, as you move forward. Jeff, from a coaching perspective, I want to ask you about the the Global T20 League. Obviously, the, the schedule reshuffled. Has it proved at all disruptive to your season's plans? Yeah, to be honest, it has. I mean, um, there, there were times when I had some disappointed, you know, players. I think some of my guys, I mean, guys like Bjorn Fortein, Zian Mulder, were signed for big parts there, you know. And um, it's quite sad, you know, that these kids have, um, have been disappointed like that. But... Uh, I think in a week um, or so after the news came out, they they 
saw the, the reasons of why it has been postponed. And, um, you know, it's time to move on, you know, really. And um, I'm glad that, you know, they are still young and uh, like they've got the good heads as well in the change rooms in terms of experiences. I mean, guys like Pangiso, guys like Cookie, guys like Riza Hendricks as well have really, really helped, you know, just to put their feet on the ground and just make sure that it's not over yet and uh, it might come again next year. Oh, like they must just buckle up and just keep working. In terms of uh, you know getting your mind focused on on, on the things at hand uh, rather than you know wondering what's ahead, can I ask you about the Sunfoil series because it's it's been a very mm. strange Sunfoil series. In fact, mm. I, I think your loss to the Titans is the only result in five mm. rounds of, of of cricket. But I mean, it doesn't put you out of uh, the Sunfoil series sort of midway through the the competition. But how do you feel about uh, where things stand at the halfway stage of the Sunfoil series? Yeah, it was really, really quite strange. I mean, where, like, all the games, it didn't seem that there was anything happening. Where bats, the dominated ball, you know, like, in a massive, you know, like in a massive way. And uh, it was tough for the bowlers, really. Uh, pitches were flat, and there was nothing happening there. So, you know, like, on the fifth game, you know, when we played Titans at the Wanderers, I, I knew that my batters were in decent form. So, you know, I called the squad in just to tell them, you know what, you know, um, I'm really tired of playing for draws. Let's try prepare something that, that can give a result, you know, either way, you know, because it, it doesn't look really pretty, you know, every week, draw again and draw here, draw there. So we they took that decision as a, as a team so just to make sure that we we could get something out. And, uh, yes, you know, it happened and we came at the back, you know, not a good result for us. But uh, like how we played there, you know, like in the fight we showed throughout, I mean, was really, really something that we can hold our head up, you know, like as we move forward. And the point system as well is uh, is quite different this year. It is quite generous, to be honest, because if you draw, you know, a game, you still get that six points for a draw. And if you win a game, it's 16 uh, points, you know. So I believe that any team that wins two games in this competition is going to be the champions of the Sunfall Series. Okay, so it is, uh, yeah, as you say, I mean, it's an interesting scoring system and, uh, and it does mean that there's quite a bit of a deadlock in the, uh, in, the, in the middle sort of positions from, I think, the Knights to the Dolphins from second to, uh, to fifth overall. But, it, but in terms of the T20 now, uh, you open against the Titans on Sunday. Two-time defending champions, uh, the, the, the Titans, they're, they're a tough team to play. You're playing away in your opening game, but do you think a good result there will sort of set the tone for the remainder of the season? Yes, it's a if you ever look at my squad, you know, like in the Titans squad, um, yes, of course, you know, a young squad, but um, I don't want to hide behind that it's a young side because uh, they've, they've got some talented players, you know, like in our structures as well. Yes, I'm saying young, but um, I'm also aware that a guy like Achis Ravada is still, you know, 22, and a guy mm-hmm. like Vian Mulder, you know, he was doing his metric last year, so yeah. like he's only 18, but both of them have played for the Proteas. And they are both talented and uh, competent, you know, like individuals. And uh, I've also brought in two 21-year-olds in my squad, uh, like uh, uh, a guy like Marcus Ackerman, uh, old Saints boy. Um, he plays in our structure at the Dragons. A, a good um, like a little player, you know, like left-handed, uh, a big heart and uh, also a good fielder. And the guy like Rand Rickleton as well, who plays for the Strikers. So I think one of those two is definitely going to make his debut for us, you know, like against the powerhouse you know, like of South African cricket. And um, it's key that we go there on Sunday, you know, like, uh, like we don't take a step back in any way. 
I know Bachi as well has some headaches, you know, like in terms of, of the selection of his side. And I also have, you know, a few headaches in terms of my selection. So it should be, you know, like, like a nice Sunday for people to come out, you know, just uh, come watch four franchises, you know, four quality sides play some good cricket, you know, like, like on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to see, as you say, uh, how, how you squeeze in six opening batsmen into the, uh, into the series. <laughs> but, uh, but at least you've given me a reason how to squeeze an extra one in somewhere along the line. But, Jeff, it's been great chatting to you, and I look forward to watching you guys on uh, Sunday. I'm going to be there and uh, catching some great cricket. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk football now. And uh, Nigeria and Egypt have already booked their spots for uh, the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia. So three spots then for Africa are still up for grabs as we head into the final round of the CAF qualifiers. Delighted to welcome on the line multiple uh, award-winning journalist Vilele Mbuli of the SABC. Thanks for joining us, Vilele. Good evening. Uh, Good evening. Uh, you're in the South African camp at the moment and uh, also watching Senegal training. So uh, virtually 24 hours to game time. I got to ask, is Kune and uh, uh, is uh, available? Well, it, it does look like um, Kune will be taken to the field tomorrow. Um, because yesterday, in fact, uh, just earlier t- uh, um, today, when they were having their match play minus one, their final turn was uh, out of t- uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, he did fit in the mask that he'll be wearing in tomorrow's game. In fact, um, he completed the full training session uh, wearing that mask. So, yeah, uh, it does look like um, he will be continuing. Um, as you know, that uh, he played a, a major role in the last game when we won um, 3-1 um, against uh, Burkina Faso. But they only doubt, and it looks like he's completely out of uh, tomorrow's game because even the last training session today, he set it out. Uh, due to that injury on his toe, uh, it is the captain Tyson uh, for sure. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I look at least I feel a little more confident about the players that could fill in the spots uh, defensively, and I think uh, I think it'd be good to have Morgan Gould playing the way he's been playing for SuperSport and the national team. Of course, that said, let's talk about the permutations because uh, Grip D has a unique situation in which all four teams can actually still qualify for Russia next year, but South Africa and Senegal holding their fate in their their, their hands, uh, and and these are the two teams that meet in back-to-back qualifiers. The first of which, of course, is that FIFA ordered replay tomorrow. So, just giving us uh, an idea of. What results would give what qualifying permutations after the weekend? Very tricky one, um, this one, because if Senegal just gets a point, and also assuming that uh, a team like Burkina Faso also doesn't score many goals um, in, in the other game, even if they win, because also, I don't see uh, Burkina Faso losing in Wagaduku um, against Cape Verde. Mm. So they will also have to rely on maybe South Africa, um, beating Senegal by a big margin here, and also maybe they play a draw um, at home in Dakar, and then Burkina Faso will have to score more goals uh, to make sure that because they are currently disadvantaged also not only because of the point situation that they are in now, uh, but also because of the inferior goal difference that they have uh, compared to Senegal. But for Senegal, uh, because they are currently on the plus four that they, they have already. Um, so they are in a, in, in, in a comfortable uh, situation. That's why I know that people have been saying they need two points, but a point could be enough for them, obviously depending on the result um, in on Wakadugu uh, between Burkina Faso and Cape Verde. But for South Africa, it's, 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 it's a straight, simple one. 
um, because the, the other two teams uh, cannot get to to ten points. Um, that will playing in Wakadugu. So Sanka just needs to win uh, the two matches, and they will be true. But it is it is a tricky one. It is going to be uh, interesting to see the results of the weekend and then, of course, see if South Africa managed to win tomorrow, whether or not they can claim the win away from home in Dakar. But in Group C, huge interest from all around the world, not only uh, in Africa, of course, because you've got a Erv Renard-led Morocco side that faced the side that he won the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations with, Côte d'Ivoire, and that's on Saturday night. And more interesting, I suppose, because Morocco lead the group by one point, but Côte d'Ivoire have home ground advantage. So it almost balances out. Finally poised would be a term you might use. They are going to Abidjan, and it's going to be very difficult, this one. As you rightfully said, Didi, um, you've got a situation where Haverinat uh, had won the, um, the Afghan tournament um, in the current game with uh, Cote d'Ivoire, where um, he's going with Morocco uh, to try and preserve that top spot and consolidate their position there and qualify. Um, for the World Cup. And also, after you've had a situation of Egypt uh, qualifying for the World Cup, you and also there's a possibility also of uh, Tunisia also qualifying. You can see this North African dominance that we've been seeing in local competitions um, when it comes to Kef club football. But now they are attempting to do that uh, with the female national teams. And when you look at the results, um, this, this is one group that has been very unpredictable. Um, for me, if you remember, not in the last uh, FIFA week, in the one before that, you had a Cote d'Ivoire uh, that went on to beat Gabon in Libreville, but lost at home uh, to Gabon. So they've been very unconvincing ever since they got to Vermont as a coach. And also, I think this game is coming at a time when there's been a war of words, where Vermont was also saying, uh, I think earlier this week or just last week, saying that uh, they've got all players, the Moroccan team has got all players. So I'm sure that Moroccan players will also be going there uh, to prove a point. But also, you have to understand the euphoria that is uh, that has met Europe, uh, Moroccan football uh, this past week when you had uh, at Casablanca yes. um, winning that CAF uh, Champions League, only their second um, Champions League title from 1992. So, you know, there is something that uh, Moroccan football is riding on. I mean, you, we've seen the positive role in fact the, the earlier uh, I think in July they were hosting the Kef uh, Symposium and now they've won the Kef um, Champions League so you can imagine everything that could be happening there especially if they qualify um, for, for the World Cup I think for me this is one game to look forward to in this last round of the qualifiers. Oh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. I would love to see uh, what the result between the two. And I think it's great for the neutrals, and as, as I suppose many South Africans are. But you, you mentioned Tunisia and the possibility of, of going to the World Cup as well. They're top of their group with 13 points, I think it is. So they're clearly in the driving seat. But they, they only need one point to actually secure their qualification to, to, to get a first World Cup berth since 2006 was the last time they went uh, back in Germany. But Democratic Republic of Congo is still second in the group. They've got an outside chance of booking a ticket to Russia, but but how can they do that? Well, that was also very difficult because um, when you look in the situation between the two teams, uh, the DRC is currently on 10 points, uh, Tunisia is currently on 13 points, and I don't see Tunisia dropping points um, against um, Libya. And you also have a situation where DRC is still 
a guinea as well. But um, I think for me, because even a point um, should be enough there. But I think if you look at this uh, Florent Ibenga team, it's a team uh, from the time when he took over as Zita uh, back in 2014, qualifying for... In fact, making the the Champions League final with AS Vita, uh, two months later, uh, finishing third in the Afcon with the the, the Leopards team, and the following year going on to win the Chan tournament uh, with the same at the other national team. So he's always punched above um, his weight at international football, coaching both the club and also the senior national team as well. So. But I, I, I think, yeah, it's going to be very difficult uh, for them uh, to to upstage uh, uh, Tunisia because they only need a point. And I don't see, especially when both teams, they are playing against teams that are already out of a contention for a place, um, for, 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 for a top finish uh, to qualify for the World Cup. So meaning that they, you don't have that competitiveness that we'll be talking about between Morocco and and also uh, Cote d'Ivoire. So that is where I feel that, um, for me, even not not just the point, I think uh, Tunisia will be going out uh, for maximum points in their game. And um, I don't even think uh, their opponent, there can be some resistance there because it's the last game um, of, of the qualifiers and there's nothing that's going to benefit out of it. Vilele, just four country names very quickly. I'm going to leave Group D from who you believe is going to qualify there. But the, the, obviously, it's, it's, it's Nigeria and Egypt that have qualified already. In the other two groups, who do you believe is going to go through? Just the names. <laughs> Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. Uh, Cote d'Ivoire and Tunisia. Wow, okay, okay. So you're saying that there's not going to be a complete North African dominance over the West African sides. But all good. Vilele Mbule, thanks so much for your time. And go and enjoy tomorrow's action in Pulugwane. No, no, no. Thanks, 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 Didi. I'm looking forward to the training session. Um, of uh, Senegal. Uh, it's coming now at 7 p.m. And um, I'm looking forward to see if uh, they will be having any minor injuries, but uh, we'll be having an update tomorrow morning in the bulletins. Look forward to it. Thank you. Cool, cool, Didi. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Just a couple of things before I go. I just want to uh, take you through a couple of things that are happening uh, later tonight as well. Of course, uh, we, we talk FIFA World Cup in Russia. The next seven days, literally the next week, is going to decide uh, which teams are going to be there. There are nine places remaining. Four birds up for grabs in Europe. Two of them are not going to be settled tonight, but they'll get started tonight. Uh, so the eight best runners up in the nine groups have been paired in home and away playoffs. But the last three of Africa's uh, qualifiers, of course, will be settled uh, at least two of them will be settled over the weekend. Uh, South Africa and Senegal still on Tuesday next week could be decided. And then the uh, long-distance playoffs, New Zealand and Peru play this uh, weekend. So do Australia and Honduras. But it's it's in Europe where, where tonight it gets underway. Italy, Greece, Switzerland and Republic of Ireland are the seeded teams in the qualifiers. And Greece are away to Croatia and Switzerland are away to uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, those both kick off local time, uh, quarter to nine this evening. Uh, but it is going to be very exciting. 
Athletics Switzerland were so impressive in the qualifiers. Of course, they got 27 points during the qualifying phase, the group phase. And uh, they could be, if they don't go on to beat Northern Ireland in, uh, in the back-to-back home qualifiers, where, of course, the seeded teams play their home games second, well, they'll become the first team to score 27 points in the group phase and not qualify for the World Cup. But the other team that needs to watch out is, of course, Italy. They're up against Sweden uh, tomorrow. And that is going to be a concern for Italy because they need to try to complete the set. Of the eight teams that have won the FIFA World Cup, seven of them have already qualified. So Argentina, Brazil, England, France, Germany, Spain and Uruguay have already qualified. Italy, four-time winners, and they find themselves potentially being eliminated by uh, a side that uh, has in years gone by been inspired by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but no more. That said, that's all we've got time for tonight. Hope you've enjoyed the show and great chatting to you, Jeffrey Toyana. Go and uh, see if you can get uh, tickets to go and watch some of the Ram Slam T20 matches. They're going to be fantastic and a real opportunity to win some money as well if you can take one-handed catches and you've got a little luck on your side. Now, Lady Buleo is going to be up after the news with the uh, talk shop. Uh, don't go anywhere uh, from the uh, team tonight. Uh, Luolum Kalipi, uh, Babalwa, uh, Midway Deloka. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.